As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello, friends. I'm Rick Warren, and welcome to Spurgeon Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way, and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped, and guided by Charles Spurgeon, who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. Christ, our Passover. The Sermon by Charles Spurgeon, Part 3 For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 There is one more thing to which I beg your particular attention, and that is that during those four days I told you that the Lamb was subject to the closest scrutiny, so also during those four days it is singular to relate that Jesus Christ was examined by all classes of persons. It was during those four days that the lawyer asked him which was the greatest commandment, and he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, and thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. It was then that the Herodians came and questioned him about the tribute money. It was then that the Pharisees tempted him. It was then also the Sadducees tried him upon the subject of the resurrection. He was tried by all classes and grades, Herodians, Pharisees, Sadducees, lawyers, and the common people. It was during these four days that he was examined. But how did he come forth? An immaculate lamb. The officers said, Never man spake like this man. His foes found none who could even bear false witness against him, such as agreed together. And Pilate declared, I find no fault in him. He would have not been fit for the paschal lamb had a single blemish have been discovered. But I find no fault in him was the utterance of the great chief magistrate who thereby declared that the lamb might be eaten at God's Passover, the symbol and the means of the deliverance of God's people. O beloved, you have only to study the scriptures to find out wondrous things in them. You have only to search deeply, and you stand amazed at their richness. You will find God's word to be a very precious word. The more you live by it, and study it, the more will it be endeared to your minds. But the next thing we must mark 
is the place where this lamb was to be killed, which peculiarly sets forth that it must be Jesus Christ. The first Passover was held in Egypt. The second Passover was held in the wilderness. But we do not read that there were more than these two Passovers celebrated until the Israelites came to Canaan. And then, if you turn to a passage in Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter, you will find that God no longer allowed them to slay the lamb in their own houses, but appointed a place for its celebration. In the wilderness, they brought their offerings to the tabernacle, where the lamb was slaughtered. But at its first appointment in Egypt, of course, they had no special place to which they took the lamb to be sacrificed. Afterwards, we read in the 16th of Deuteronomy and the 5th verse, Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in. There, Thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. It was in Jerusalem that men ought to worship, for salvation was of the Jews. There was God's palace, there his altar smoked, and there only might the paschal lamb be killed. So was our blessed Lord led to Jerusalem. The infuriated throng dragged him along the city. In Jerusalem, our lamb was sacrificed for us. It was at the precise spot where God had ordained that it should be. Oh, if that mob who gathered round him at Nazareth had been able to push him headlong down the hill, then Christ could not have died at Jerusalem. But as he said, a prophet cannot perish out of Jerusalem. So was it true that the king of all prophets could not do otherwise. The prophecies concerning him would not have been fulfilled. Thou shalt kill the lamb in the place the Lord thy God shall appoint. He was sacrificed in the very place. Thus, again, you have an incidental proof that Jesus Christ was the paschal lamb for his people. The next point is the manner of his death. I think the manner in which the lamb was to be offered so peculiarly sets forth the crucifixion of Christ that no other kind of death could by any means have answered all the particulars set down here. First, the lamb was to be slaughtered, and its blood caught in a basin. Usually the priest stood at the altar, the Levites or the people slaughtered the lamb, and the blood was caught in a golden basin. Then as soon as it was taken, the priest, standing by the altar on which the fat was burning, threw the blood on the fire or cast it at the foot of the altar. You may guess what a scene it was. Ten thousand lambs sacrificed and the blood poured out in a purple river. Next, the lamb was to be roasted, but it was not to have a bone of its body broken. Now there is nothing but crucifixion 
which can answer all these three things. Crucifixion has in it the shedding of blood. The hands and feet were pierced. It has in it the idea of roasting, for roasting signifies a long torment. And as the lamb was for a long time before the fire, so Christ in crucifixion was for a long time exposed to a broiling sun and all the other pains which crucifixion engenders. Moreover, not a bone was broken, which could not have been the case with any other punishment. Suppose it had been possible to put Christ to death in any other way. Sometimes the Romans put criminals to death by decapitation. But by such a death, the neck is broken. Many martyrs were put to death by having a sword pierced through them. But while that would have been a bloody death and not a bone broken necessarily, the torment would not have been long enough to have been pictured by the roasting so that take whatever punishment you will, take hanging, which sometimes the Romans practised in the form of strangling, that mode of punishment does not involve shedding of blood, and consequently the requirements would not have been answered. And I do think any intelligent Jew, reading through this account of the Passover, and then looking at the crucifixion, must be struck, by the fact that the penalty and death of the cross by which Christ suffered must have taken in all these three things. There was blood shedding, the long continued suffering, the roasting of torture, and then added to that, singularly enough, by God's providence, not a bone was broken, but the body was taken down from the cross intact. Some may say that burning might have answered the matter, but there would not have been a shedding of blood in that case. And the bones would have been virtually broken in the fire. Besides, the body would not have been preserved entire. Crucifixion was the only death which could answer all of these three requirements. And my faith receives great strength from the fact that I see my Saviour not only as a fulfilment of the type, but the only one. My heart rejoices to look on him whom I have pierced and see his blood as the Lamb's blood sprinkled on my lintel and my doorpost and see his bones unbroken and so believe that not a bone of his spiritual body shall be broken hereafter. And rejoice also to see him roasted in the fire, because thereby I see that he satisfied God for that roasting which I ought to have suffered in the torment of hell for ever and ever. Christian, I wish that I had words to depict in better language, but as it is, I give you the undigested thoughts which you can take home and live upon during the week. For you will find this Paschal Lamb to be an hourly feast as well as supper, and you can feed upon it continually, till you come to the Mount of God, where you will see him as he is, and worship him, the Lamb, in the midst thereof. 
Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.